A U.S. senator is on trial in New Jersey, facing corruption charges that could put him behind bars for years. Welcome back to USA Today's Cup of Politics. I'm Paul Singer, the Washington correspondent around here. A corruption case with major national implications is playing out in a Newark courtroom this week. Democratic Senator Bob Menendez is wrapping up his defense against an 18-count corruption indictment. The jury might get the case in the next couple of days, and their verdict could have a dramatic impact, both on the U.S. Senate and on the theory of when a gift to a politician becomes a bribe. USA Today's Herb Jackson, who also covers Washington for Gannett's New Jersey newspapers, has been covering the case. He's joining us this week to explain the charges the trial, and the possible implications of this one. Herb Jackson, welcome back to USA Today's Cup of Politics. Thank you. We bring you here not for your expertise in tax policy, but for your expertise in the Bob Menendez trial, a senator from New Jersey who is facing corruption charges uh, in a federal courthouse. Let's start with this. Explain exactly what it is he is charged with. Well, he's accused of taking bribes to use his office to help the personal and business interests of a guy in Florida who is a longtime friend of his a doctor named Salomon Melgan from uh, North Palm Beach, Florida. Um, Specifically, uh, Melgan provided flights for Menendez and others connected with him on Melgan's private jet. He paid for a hotel room in the Dominican Republic for Senator Menendez. And he also used some of his American Express points so that Menendez could get a suite in a hotel in Paris. Wow. Um, Upgrades. Melgan also owns a suite uh, owns a house at a resort called uh, Casa de Campo in the Dominican Republic, and Menendez stayed there many times. And the capper is, of course, that Melgan made $700,000 in contributions to political committees that helped Menendez get reelected in 2012. Okay, but so what? You accepted a bunch of stuff. There must be a he, quo to the quid, as we exactly. say. Exactly. He also is accused of using his office to help uh, several of Dr. Melgan's um, girlfriends. The doctor is also married, but he had girlfriends come and visit him in Florida from Brazil, the Ukraine, and the Dominican Republic. And Menendez used his office to try and help them get visas to visit him. Dr. Melgan also owns a cargo screening company in the Dominican Republic that had a contract to scan containers leaving the Dominican reports, but the Dominican government wasn't honoring that contract. And Menendez tried to get the State Department and the Homeland Security Department to put some pressure on the Dominican government to get that contract enforced, allegedly. And also, Dr. Melgan had a Medicare dispute with the government. They said he overbilled them by $9 million. And Menendez questioned people all the way up to the Secretary of Homeland uh, Health and Human Services about how they were applying this one regulation over the use of a medication. And that basically was interpreted by people in the in the Obama administration as Menendez trying to get them to back off his friend on this billing dispute. Okay, well, so this sounds like a slam dunk, right? You've got 
hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of uh, uh, campaign contributions. You have tens of thousands of dollars worth of gifts in terms of flights and housing at the fun little condo in the Dominican. And then you have the uh, the other various gifts that Melgan is giving to Menendez. And on the other side, you have Menendez doing things for Melgan that are out of the ordinary of what he would do with uh, any other constituent. So slam dunk, right? Menendez goes to jail. What's, what's Menendez's defense? Well, there's a couple of them. One is that they are longtime friends. And the best detail I can give you on that is that when Menendez's mother died, Sal flew up there to stay with Bob in his house the night his mother died. That's wow. not just some guy who gives you money and tries to be your buddy. Right. Um, but they are friends. So they say these are friends vacationing together. It's like if your friend picks you up and you go on a trip, did your friend pay, provide you with travel? They say that there is no evidence of a corrupt agreement that was presented in court to date where someone said, we'll give you this for that. Right. So, and that is always the key in these corruption cases that people forget is it's not, did you receive a gift and did you do some sort of an activity that was favorable to the gift giver? The The issue is always... Was there a corrupt agreement that I will do this act in exchange for this gift? That's exactly. usually the nugget for so, the prosecution. So on each of these official acts, first of all, the senator was vouching that these women, if they came to visit the United States, were not just trying to come in illegally to get a visa and then disappear into the United States. And there is no evidence that they violated the terms of their visa in any way. So he was telling the State Department, you can except that's the word that these women were going to do what they say they do. On the cargo contract, Menendez had a long record of trying to increase the security of cargo uh, car containers entering the United States because of the threat of a container that held a nuclear weapon sailing into the port of New York and how that would not only damage the people of New Jersey, which he represented, but the United States economy. Right. And on the Medicare issue, he argued that there was a legitimate dispute of how this rule was being applied when other confusing rules were, and I'm not going to drag you through Please. the whole concept of Lucentis and multi-dosing, but there was an argument to be made for this, and Melgan was arguing it very specifically. So again, in that case, what the senator is saying is basically there is nothing out of the ordinary here. There, these were not acts taken in exchange for gifts or, or outside the realm of what my normal senatorial duties would have been. Right. It is It is a little unusual that this is a Florida man and not a New Jersey constituent with these problems, but it is not uncommon for senators to hear about things from their friends and take action on them. And Senator Menendez also made the argument in some of his many court filings that he's sort of like the Latino senator in Congress, that he represents a much larger constituency than just the people in New Jersey who get to vote for him. He even argued that people who make contributions thereby become constituents because they are invested in this guy being a senator and doing the things they want. So a California Democrat who writes a $300 check to Menendez for Senate is now a Menendez constituent in some sense. May have some expectation that Menendez is doing things that he wants him to do. Okay. So talk about the implications here. If he if he's innocent, right, then he comes back to the U.S. Senate and we move on. Well, maybe. Yeah. I mean, it's not all, uh, he's not completely out of the woods because there's also uh, a charge that he failed to disclose these gifts on his Senate disclosure form, which is required by Senate rules. The government is using that as evidence that he was trying to conceal this corrupt agreement. He will more than likely face 
uh, an investigation from the Senate Ethics Committee when this is all over, uh, unless he's convicted and goes to prison, in which case they probably won't bother. But I mean, that won't go away, right. that violation. He can, the, the, but, and the Senate Ethics Committee's pen, penalties can range all the way up to a recommendation of expulsion. Okay, yes, but I will tell you that I've written a story, I think last year, that it's been nine years, so it's now probably been 10 years since the Senate Ethics Committee actually issued a, pen, a punishment of any sort. Right. They they could issue a private reprimand. They could issue a public reprimand. They actually did it, issue a severe admonishment in the case of a previous New Jersey Democratic senator who was investigated by the U.S. attorney in New York for taking illegal gifts. The U.S. attorney decided not to bring charges but sent the case to the Ethics Committee, and they admonished Senator Robert Torcelli as he was running for re-election in 2002, and that essentially led to Torricelli dropping out of his race a month and a half before the election was about to happen. Now, we have Menendez, who this indictment came down in 2015. It seemed like he had plenty of time in the world, but he's up for re-election next year in 2018. The Sharks are already circling in the New Jersey's Democratic circles. The Republicans haven't quite picked a candidate, but they're busy, you know, trying to deal with their own senators deciding not to run because they're disgusted with the party. Right. Uh, so I'm not sure where that ends up. There's a potential uh, race there. But, you know, he is going to have to deal with the fact that um, he could be convicted and still be appealing. And and he may have a better chance on appeal because of the way the courts have ruled on corruption cases. Well, let's get there for a second, because two previous cases that have been a big deal recently, one is Senator Ted Stevens of Alaska, which I covered in, what was that, 2000, do my math now, it was probably 2009 or 10, I guess. And Senator Stevens was accused of taking gifts that he did not report and doing favors for these companies. And he was found guilty and then exonerated completely because of uh, prosecutorial misconduct, not the least of which is one of the FBI investigators, believe it or not, was sleeping with a key witness. I don't, don't even get me started on that trial. It was a nightmare. The second more relevant one is uh, Bob McDonald, the governor of Virginia, was accused and I think again convicted of taking gifts and doing favors for a guy. But that ultimately was overturned because again, they couldn't connect the gifts to the acts. Right. And McDonald was the chief executive of the state of Virginia. So he had broad powers. The Supreme Court decided in the unanimous decision written by Chief Justice Roberts. So that has a little more weight than just, you know, a 4-3 decision written by somebody who could get the fourth justice on it. They decided that McDonald never took any official acts and they put language in there defining official acts. And then they specifically said, but it wouldn't just mean making a phone call or setting up a meeting or going to a meeting. Now, Menendez put in a lot of effort before his case came to trial to try and argue that his case should be thrown out on those very grounds, that he did not take official acts because he's a legislator. He didn't have the power to issue visas. He didn't have the power to deal, to put pressure on the, on the uh, Dominican, Dominican for a Republic. Yeah. And he didn't have the power to change the decisions of, of Medicare officials. And if you want to feel good about your government, nobody did any of the things Bob Menendez wanted them to do. Well, I mean, <laughs> excuse me, the, the, I'm sorry, the state, the, the visas were issued. Yeah. But you, if you want to feel bit, the women did not come into the country and then s- disappear into the morass of illegal aliens. Right, they went back. Um, so, you, you, you have this situation where you, there's no real 
you know, you don't have a wiretap or some paperwork that shows a quid pro quo. What you have is what's called the stream of benefits theory. Right. That Melgan started to ply him so that Menendez would be there to provide whatever was needed as needed. Um, and there's, there's, they try to show some timing. Menendez goes down to Florida. They play golf. They have dinner. He comes back. He calls the staff. What's going on with that thing with, with Sal? Right. But you also have this other thing with the Supreme Court ruling as well. $700,000 in contributions, that's two $300,000 checks to a super PAC called um, Senate Majority PAC. That, that was not cash. And this is where it gets into this whole, right. you know, the, the, the gray matter that is campaign finance. But, but again, these were not checks to Bob Menendez. This right. was not, not and to, it, it wasn't even to Bob Menendez for Senate, and it wasn't to Bob Menendez's cookie jar. Correct. And, and whereas in the um, McDonald case, you know, his wife is getting gifts and taken on shopping trips by this businessman. They help pay off the loan on their summer house. You know, I mean, there's a lot of like- I think it was like the daughter's wedding grimy, also. Yeah, a lot right. of grimy things. But of course, in, in Virginia at the time, it wasn't illegal to accept gifts like that. Right. But yeah, with the campaign finance thing, the Supreme Court, when it opened the gates for this kind of money to come in, it, it was focused on that the citizens should be allowed to say what they want. Money is speech. Sal Melgan wants to tell people of New Jersey, you better reelect Bob Menendez. He's allowed to give it to this group called Majority PAC. And as long as Majority PAC doesn't coordinate with Menendez for Senate on how it's spent, it's totally legal under campaign finance law as the Supreme Court has interpreted it. And it's specifically said in there that the money doesn't corrupt the, the official because the official doesn't get it. Yet here you have the Justice Department coming in and indicting for that as a bribe. And there's a lot of things that could be in play here. People could think maybe the Supreme Court will realize it went too far when it sees what it wrought here. And this is the case that forces that, you know, back in the box. Uh, but it, could, it, it also means that this guy is being tried and his livelihood, you know, his freedom is at stake over things that I know from a fact from talking to people who know him, he feels he didn't do anything wrong. He thought he was following the rules. Now, they made crappy rules. Right. But he didn't think he was breaking them. Right. So let's go to the worst case scenario for Bob Menendez. Uh, he's he's guilty. He's convicted. It's whatever, you know, a dozen years in jail and uh, has to pay fines, etc. Um, I'm more interested in what that means for the U.S. Senate. Well, he's one of 48 Democrats. Depending on when the conviction were to happen, we have a governor's race in New Jersey that's about to take place on November 7th. The Democratic uh, candidate in a poll that was published this week was up 20 points. Governor Christie, who is a Republican, his lieutenant governor is running, and she is not able to distance herself from Governor Christie or President Trump, who are both very unpopular in New Jersey. So Governor Christie serves until when? He serves until about January 15th, mid-January. I can't remember where the Tuesday falls. But the next person to take that office will more than likely be a Democrat. There will probably be a period, if Menendez is convicted, where there will be intense pressure on him to resign so that Christie could name his replacement. If there's a vacancy for the Senate, the governor needs to name an, an acting senator and set the date for a new election. But he cannot be forced to resign. He can only be expelled and to be expelled under the Constitution, two thirds of the Senate, 67 senators have to vote to expel him. 
what's already been happening is the Republican National Committee is starting to try and tag Democrats who are up next year in vulnerable states where President Trump won the state last year and say, are you going to request Bob Menendez resign? Should Bob Menendez resign if he's convicted? convicted. So far, they were all saying, well, we're not going to, we're going to let the jury speak and this and that. But, you know, we did a poll in New Jersey, USA Today, Suffolk University poll in New Jersey, and it was more than 80% of New Jersey voters said Menendez should resign if he's convicted, even if he's later acquitted on appeal. Right. I mean, his conviction is overturned. They don't want him in office being a convict. But We've had that happen in New Jersey as well. We, we back in Harrison Williams Day, where he was convicted in the Abscam scandals in the seventies. Uh, I guess it was early eighties, and he stayed in office for I think it was ten months before he resigned, and he only resigned a week before the Senate was to vote on expulsion. And and this gets back to the the reason all of this matters, right? Uh, I mean, aside from the fact that we're interested in the uh, you know, what is bribery, what it means, how it's enforced, uh, on a larger national perspective, Republicans at the moment have 52 seats in the U.S. Senate. Democrats have 46 plus the two independents who, who play along with them. And for the major pieces of legislation President Trump is trying to pass, that is his tax reform and his Obamacare repeal, he needs 50 votes in the U.S. Senate, 50 Republican votes so far. They've made no effort to reach out to Democrats. They need 50 Republican votes. And of course, then the vice president breaks the tie. If Bob Menendez is gone and Chris Christie has an opportunity to appoint a replacement Republican senator, suddenly it makes it easier for whatever that period is for the Republican Party to pass its agenda in the Senate. Right. At least one vote easier. Yeah. Now, of course, it would be interesting. I mean, can you imagine the, the storm that would arise if outgoing Governor Christie, who has lost, uh, who's a, a stepping down, a Democrat is replacing him in the state house, outgoing Governor Christie appoints a Republican senator who's now going to serve for a period of time before the election. He could even appoint himself. He says he won't. He says he doesn't want to be a senator, but he could even appoint himself because he's got nowhere else to go. I mean, he's on, he's on his way out. He's out of out of the state house on you know mid January. Doesn't he have a house on the beach? Not not after January. That's, no. that's he, the he does, <laughs> does still have a house in in Livingston. But yeah, I mean, it, it is definitely uh, going to be a, an interesting period because Menendez will still be here if if we assume he's convicted. And you know, the other thing we haven't thought of is the possibility of a hung jury. I mean, he 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 may not. We may not get an answer of the jury. It could be that these, I think it's seven women and five men, you may not get 12 of them to agree because there's a lot of confusing things. What it's going to come down to really is how the judge instructs him on the law. And because the Supreme Court completely just changed the law, the way jury instructions usually work is judges try things, they get a challenge, then then you have a basis of appellate law that say these are the rules that work and how to define what the crime is. But there are questions like, does the jury have to decide that this flight was to get that phone call on that visa and that this gift was for this thing? Because if that's what they have to prove, the government may not have been able to prove it. Uh, And, you know, the defense wants them to say things like, Senators are people too, and they're allowed to get gifts from their friends. Right. Uh, and the, and the defense wants them to sit there and say, "You may not like campaign contributions. You may think it's all bribery, but that's not what the law says. You can't convict him just because you don't like it." And how far the judge goes, and this judge has been very interesting. He's fought with the prosecutors on some things, and he's fought with the defense on some things. We're not sure where he's going to go, but how that affects whether he's 
convicted or not convicted or whether the jurors are just confused or bored by it, you know, they could conceivably just not reach a verdict, in which case justice has to decide whether to try him again. Uh, and then he's still got this cloud over himself and he's running again in 2018. Yeah, but that's like betting on a quarter to not land on heads or tails, but to land on its edge. So I'm not I'm not making my bet on a hung jury, but it would certainly be news and we'd write about it. So right. there's and that. You'd, you know, you'd owe me a cup of politics. I would owe you a cup of politics. Herb Jackson, thank you very much for joining us and explaining it all to us. Obviously, when there's a verdict in the Menendez case, we will let you know. We'll send out a breaking news alert. You know, if you haven't done so yet, you should sign up for USA Today's news alerts. It keeps you up with all the breaking news. Meanwhile, you can always keep up with our coverage on usatoday.com and also follow us on Twitter at Cup of Politics. And of course, it's always a joy to read the actual print edition of USA Today over a cup of coffee. So you might think about picking one up. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It's a free and easy way to make sure you don't miss an episode of Cup of Politics. You can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Special thanks to our producer, Taylor Macon, for making it sound so good. And thanks, as always, to Chris Moscatello for our theme music. <laughs>